Welcome to Dwight and Shining Armor, the Sunken Kingdom, the behind-the-scenes podcast about everything Dwight. I'm Josh Breslow, and I play Yakopo. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 1, Champion Do-Over Part 2, written by Leanne H. Adams and Brian J. Adams, directed by Eyal Gordon, guest-starring Evan Hofer, Danielle Pisuti, Bonita Frederici, and Kanoa Gu. As always, we have a blanket spoiler alert, so if you haven't yet watched the season two premiere, stop whatever you're doing, your Hopak dance practice can wait, and watch Champion Do-Over Part 2, either on BYU TV or at byutv.com slash Dwight. First, a quick recap. We last left our heroes in pursuit of Greta and Sir Aldred, played by Kanoa Goo, whom Hexala, played by Danielle Bizzuti, informs Dwight, Baldrick, and Claudwig is no champion, but in fact the last survivor of the evil Tovenar Brotherhood. While Sir Aldred attempts to uncover a lost item in Greta's, well, it's basically the panic room of her old castle, our heroes must take on Sir Aldred one by one, trying to best an enemy who has absorbed all their greatest skills for his own. Now that everyone's been brought up to date, let's get to our guests. This is our very first episode of The Sunken Kingdom without either of our showrunners, since both Leanne and Brian are still wrapping up shooting seasons three and four. So we are going to be talking less about mythology and more about the mechanics of production and the art of direction, as for the very first time, we have with us the director of our episode, A.L. Gordon. And for the first time on the podcast, we are lucky to have the devastatingly and disarmingly charming Kanoa Go. Hey, guys. Wow. Welcome. I'll Venmo you later. (laughs) (laughs) So since we haven't had you guys on the podcast Mm. yet, I'd love to start with a couple general questions. Kanoa, when you auditioned Uh for Sir Aldred, did they give you sides for both like good Sir Aldred and evil Sir Aldred? How much did you know going in? Absolutely not. Really? Yeah. I mean, so I was out of town doing a a film and and I got a self-tape for for Dwight and so or I couldn't make the audition so then I self-taped and then they wanted me to come back and actually go in with casting and they had notes for me and those notes sort of because the part two wasn't were not in the sides so the notes were specifically a little bit more villainous um, Uh. in certain moments and so I kind of and and in the sort of the character breakdown I mean it, it was pretty straightforward in terms of this guy has it all but some things are too good to be true. So they kind of... They hinted at they it. They hinted at it, but uh, none of it was in the writing for me to to know. So I kind of, I remember in the callback sort of like choosing little moments to kind of just lean into... Uh, mis- I, for me, I knew nothing at that point. So I just right. was sort of like leaning into a mystery in, in terms of maybe he was up to something else. But I didn't even know, you know? So I was... You're just it playing... Was, it. Yeah, I was just... <laughs> playing around. Hey, I have a general question for you about directing, and then we'll get into the episode. What, when you're handed a script for a show that you've never worked on before, what is the beginning of your process for prep? Um, Well, first of all, on this show, always been very fortunate because the scripts come in a lot earlier than any other show I've ever worked on, which is is a blessing. Um, I got the, those scripts probably two or three weeks before I was supposed to start prepping. Oh, wow. So, which is amazing. So, uh, first what I do normally, I contact the uh, production designer and they send me the uh, the floor plans of all the permanent sets. And I then get links to all the episodes that we shot before me and I watch them all so I can see who the characters are, locations. Um, then I read the script and I start generalize 
you know, uh, my notes, like this scene, I know now, I see the set, I see the plan, and I start getting rough ideas until I show up there for the prep where we can physically, I can sit in the location, absorb it, see how it's going to go, and then also find the uh, the specific locations for that episode uh, and not just the permanent sets. So that's basically the process. It's a lot of planning. <laughs> it sounds like fun. It's, it's, it's like fun. you get little morsels. You're like, oh, I see more of it. I see more of it. And then, exactly. And then you get to show up and you have it all planned. Yeah. So yeah. So you you have a plan, and then and then it's good because when once you get to the set, all the plan goes away. So it's because uh, then actors bring stuff in. So it's it's we'll talk about it. That's our job. Our job <laughs> yeah. is to mess, yeah. everything, to mess up. everything up. That's right. All right. Let's talk about the episode. Okay. So. Dwight, Claudwig, and Hexler are walking in the woods, and we're introduced to the idea of the Tovenars for the very first time. I know coming into a show, you know, it's your first time yeah. on the show, you don't have as much information as everybody else does, obviously. You don't get to watch previous episodes right. like they all did. Um, so not only were you kind of creating your own backstory for Sir Aldred because you didn't have the mythology ahead right. of time, but then you also have an object you're searching for right. in Greta's panic room, is what I keep mm-hmm. thinking of it as. Uh, did you have to make that up for yourself as well? I, I didn't need a clear thing I was looking at. It was more the idea of, of the meaning of something really important. Um, and that could be substituted with whatever, you know? Sure. So, yeah, I didn't need a, a, to imagine a certain object or something. <laughs> it was more so the finding of something that was... The necessity, yeah, the, yeah. the thing you're fighting for. Let's listen to a clip. A Tovenar. Possible. Not impossible, Your Highness. Inevitable. What's a, a Tovliar? Tovenar. An evil this world has not seen for 15 centuries. Okay. The Tovenars were a brotherhood of dark wizards. Soulless creatures who must have been human once, though so long ago, there's no record of it. They grew in numbers and in terrible strength, and it seemed that their cruel tyranny would plunge the world into never-ending night, until a champion came forth, Osric of the House of Moondragon. Osric the Grim. We've got to bust to that guy. Isn't he Greta's relative? Eleventh great-grandfather, I believe. The founder of the House of Moondragon. He raised an army, allied himself with magicians and witches and mages of noble heart and gave battle to the Tovenars. The Tovenars fell, all destroyed, save one. So they're going through the woods and we get the history of the Tovenars. Um, And it's our very first time having an animated sequence in the middle of an episode of Dwight. Now, I know that was in the writing, but as a director, how involved were you with the animated sequence portion of this episode? The only really close involvement was I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of transitions from scene to scene. And every time they walk and we go into an animated sequence, I got the rough idea of what it's going to look like. And when I talked to the visual effect people who are going to draw it, and I said, you know, what I'm going to do is at the end of the dialogue, I'll just, in the, we're in the woods, let's at least, so it's not abrupt to into, it's abrupt enough to go into an animated sequence, but I think we can smooth it by I'll go go into the trees and do some kind of a painting of trees that will lead into it. So it'll go from 
real trees to animated trees to the story, basically. So you, so you envisioned how to stitch it into the, exactly. the I, shot you were already I, working with. I always, like I said, I'm a fan of, of, um, of transitions, and it's like every time it it's makes it smoother, it makes it more interesting. Um, I, like I said, I knew the gist of what it's going to look like. I knew the words because I had it in the script. Um, and I just try to give them some options of how to make a smooth transition in and out of every uh, um, segment of animation. Watching this episode, you, Kanoa, have a big character transition. Yeah. And I'm always curious, you know, TV, it's tricky because as a director, you come into a show and a lot of times the leads already have their characters down. They know what they're doing. They kind of just go. But you both came into this at the same time and you're dealing with a character with a major arc within an episode. So what was the process like for the two of you figuring out how to smoothly move Sir Aldred from hero to villain? Well, a lot of discussions. Uh, we talked, you know, there was it was written pretty clearly yeah. where you can tell this is a, a charming scene where he's supposed to charm uh, Caitlin and just to be and the audience think is the greatest guy ever um, and the, so that was pretty uh, clear there was not a lot needed you know Kanoa nailed it and uh, there were times that we talked where it was just a transition right you know when when he says goodbye at the house and then also with the spittle and everything it's like he's punching him but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. still it's it's for a good thing yeah. you know it's mm -hmm. for a good thing and then later on even the tiniest great expression that he had when he comes back to the horse and he asks her a question and you can tell and he immediately goes into a smile after that like well, I don't know I'm just just curious so uh, we discuss all that but some of it is just you know well, and I think very good acting thank you but I also think that he saved me a lot of times because I think that I, now that we're talking about it, I'm remembering that there were times when I could feel myself as an actor leaning a little bit too much into moments of the evilness. Mm -hmm. Just certain takes where I would like kind of lean in a little bit and then he would be like, just keep it, keep it, smile through it, char you know, nice and charming. And, and I think that that helped with that transition as opposed to kind of... You know, maybe in my head while doing it, it felt right, but the way that it's going to cut together will just be better if it kind of is a more gradual right. thing. So I think it was just remembering, like, it, you know, like if a human's trying to get something they want, they're not going to show any bit of a bad dude, you know? Right. He's going to completely try and charm his way through it. So I think that, um, yeah, it's good direction, good writing to sort of help guide me. That makes there, perfect sense yeah. to me. And and a, a big difference between part one and part two for the audience is that going into part two, we know you're evil. And so right. at that point, you're working more with dramatic irony. You know, you have an audience that's ahead of Greta. So there are those small moments when you're in the panic room yeah. with her when you're looking at her versus when you're facing away from yes. her. Did you choose those together? Were those scripted? Did you kind of find that I mean, where you let that evil come out and then oh no everything's yeah fine. right right i mean again i think it's like really well, well written so it kind of just i just kind of need to step into it but i also think going back a little bit what helped i if i'm remembering correctly the schedule shooting schedule we shot a lot of the charming stuff first then i remember like the next week was a lot of the scenes in the chamber that that fall into part two and so it was nice going into those scenes having already played all of the mm -hmm. um charming scenes and i think 
I don't know, the second, the first day working with Aov was just like completely comforted and at ease because he just has a great way of, of talking to actors. And, Agreed. Um, yeah. And, Thank you. And you just feel so comfortable and there's like a sense of play. I think that's why everyone on set loves him, right? It's like a, a nice balance of work, but also a looseness of like exploring and just playing around and and seeing what happens. Right, you have you know. the leeway to play with yeah. it and then you also get yeah, what you yeah. know you need. I like to play with the fact that the audience sees something, but his partner in the scene doesn't because his back. So that's why I had him go towards camera. So we know... Bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't because his voice, he was saying it, oh, I'm just wondering, uh, where is, you know, like this. But yeah. you can tell, mm-hmm. trouble, <laughs> yeah. trouble. And as soon as he turns to her, it's no need. Charming no need, once know, again. Charming. So it's, I think, I think that, that is definitely a very careful p- choice of, of setting it up in a way where we can go, okay, she doesn't know quite, she knew couple sentences later once the sword <laughs> is being pulled right, but, uh, right. but it, that was that was fun so speaking of the fight choreography how did that work for you uh did you guys get to rehearse ahead of time or was that all mm-hmm. on the day definitely ahead of time yeah yeah yeah, yeah we rehearsed uh, we had a very good stunt coordinator who uh helped a lot with it and actually that was his idea the whole when the swords were connected because the whole idea with is that he basically because of the blood spittle and he, he gets into their mind and he can see what they're going to do. Right. Um, so one of the things to do is to go like that he can mirror her movement. Right. Because they are having a mirror fight up until that point. Right. right? right. Every move is blocked and yeah, perfectly and every spin same. at the same right. time and you're back to it. Right. And, and then it gets extreme with point on point. Sword. Yeah. Which, right. which was kind of funny. It was actually his idea. And, you know, we basically, uh, <laughs> Put the swords together was, with a loop. Yeah, that was kind of tricky. I remember because the swords are heavy. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> to sort of hold them, uh, there was like a little link sort of connecting them oh, in the okay. actual mechanics of shooting it, and mm-hmm. and so to sort of hold those up to appear as close together as possible. I remember, Caitlin and I were yeah. it got a little tiring, but um, but we did it in pieces. You know, we did yeah. the, the first piece we did where we had them together. And then moved him away, and then shot it in reverse, so it looked like. Ching, yeah, oh, that's yeah, so yeah. smart. Then we pinned him together, and the tricky thing for these two was to, uh, because they had to memorize the moves, because so he doesn't look like like she's dragging him or he's right. dragging her. He's just mimicking her. So they had to, so it doesn't look like. Oh, I'll follow you. No, I'll just gotta go. I knew you're gonna go there, and I knew you're gonna go there. So that was it. Took some rehearsals but they nailed it so speaking of sir aldred's ability to mm. take everybody's powers or mimic right uh the the next one is with you and dwight and you're yeah. using dwight's diplomacy right. against him now you didn't get to see any episodes ahead of time but you, at that point you worked with sloan at least for a lot of champion do over part one probably about a week yeah for about a yeah. week so when you went into that scene were you mimicking not only his diplomacy as scripted, but were you doing Sloan playing Dwight a little bit or was it more Sir the way Sir Aldred would do diplomacy? No, I think it was Sloan slash Dwight. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it, that was that was a really fun the yeah. moment in the scene to shoot because, yeah, he's just kind of, he's messing with him, you know? And yeah, yeah, and yeah, so it was kind of the actual shooting of it was kind of just me watching Sloan and each take sort of mirroring what he would do 
whether it be behavior or an actual little nudge or punch on the shoulder, you know. So it was that was really fun. And also Sloan is just, she's just like he's so great in, yeah. as Dwight and so and he, it's so specific, like his personality. And you know? the voice. I feel and like you, you were matching some intonation yeah, there, so it was, too. It's fun to sort of, because I think, you know, leading up to that moment, it's so intense with the fighting. And then it's sort of just like, ah, come on. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk. You know, it's just, it's just so silly. Yeah. yeah, it's a really fun part of the episode. And it is really fun to watch you mess with him and him just not realize well, and it. him just to be like sort of. This guy's making a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's his ideal. He's finally met someone in this world that deals the yeah. same way he does. Yeah. And it's, Even though she's warning him the whole time. She's yeah. going, well, no, no, yeah. no, no, this guy's good. But yeah. that's like core concept of the show, yeah. right? Like yeah. she always wants to fight. He always wants yeah. diplomacy. And yeah. his thing is finally working. Right. Yeah. But it is not <laughs> at all. Um, all right. So this is a huge scene um, with special effects as well as visual effects. We'll talk about visual effects later. But you have the tip-to-tip sword stuff, and then you have the Hopak happening for a long period of time in this scene. How did that work? That was kudos to these two actors. It was tricky. So again, you know, as soon as I read it, I said, I'm going to try and do myself. And after three moves, I said, uh, maybe one take, and that's it. So that's not going to work. So then we had to figure out choreography is to work. One of the stun guys was a dancer. And I explained to him, I said, you know, let's get, I think it was three moves, three specific moves that they do with their arms and their hands, and then one specific move when they go down and <laughs> do the, the kicks. kicks. <laughs> um, and then they just have to repeat it because if it was a long choreography, that would take forever. So I said, just do three moves, a kick. And when they are done, back to three moves and a kick because in the script, it goes to the kick um there is a mention in the dialogue, oh, here comes the kicks, boom. So we have to kind of also figure out when is it. So once they got that, and I go, now we need to help him. And he, uh, the stunt guy came up with the harnesses idea. Okay, so they're in harnesses and they're on lines? Online, exactly. And it has a specific tension. So if they just take their feet off the ground, their butt will not hit the ground. <laughs> but it'll be just like this. So when they go for the kick... It looks real. And all we had to do, all we had to do is just you pay a little money and then you remove the wires. <laughs> pay a little money is, pay a little is money. the yeah. keyword for everything in this yeah, business, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. Pay a little just, money and, and, and magic. Yeah. So, <laughs> Kanoa, mm. you have a scene with Hexel in this mm. episode. And I believe it is the very first purposeful kiss <laughs> on this show. Ooh, the, the, the opening of the show is ah, Dwight finding on, oh, falling course, on Greta course, and, and accidentally kissing her. Yes. Accidentally. Um, what was that? Like? I'm always, every show does it differently. Yeah. All actors deal with it differently. Yeah. What was it like on this show choreographing that kiss? How did that work on set? I mean, she's such a pro and Danielle is. Yeah, Danielle who plays Hexel is such a pro and I feel like it, there was no weirdness. She's she's so playful, I feel like, on set. And mm-hmm. so um, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, trust me, I was, like, so paranoid about Bad Breath. I, like, had, <laughs> I had like, Altoids. I remember, like, in the corner of, like, a rock or something just to – I could grab one in between each day because <laughs> oh, I was so paranoid to, to have Bad Breath. But, um, no, it was great. I mean, she – I think we – I think we, you know, in, a rehearse, in rehearsals before actually shooting, we would kind of – market or yeah. not actually do the kiss but um 
but no, we were both just game to kind of go for it. And um, it was funny because I remember we would do different takes where it'd be like, okay, a little bit yeah. more PG. <laughs> <laughs> a little less like, passion, yeah, a little, little more. Yes, exactly. I think that was the actual word that you used, like a little bit less passionate. And so there were a lot of uh, different types of kisses. Uh, yeah, in that the vault. On that day, yeah. Um, so... Sir Aldred, like on a story level, you got to absorb everybody's skills, mm. face off one-on-one. But as an actor, I think you're the first guest star that got to do specifically a one-on-one scene with each of the main cast members because of the way the story's built. What was that like for you as an actor? It's awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. I, I think, I mean, when I got there, it was sort of just like diving all in and... And so I think it was nice that my first episode was this uh, having so many scenes with everybody because then I got to kind of get to know everybody and feel comfortable. So then when I was coming back for more, it wasn't like I hadn't really worked with anyone yet, you know? Right. I I kind of just went all in, so then I felt really comfortable with everyone right away. Um, So it's great. I mean, I think it's, as an actor, it's really fun, I think, to just see how different people work and um i think especially with with sloan and caitlin it's just like i'm so impressed like with (laughs) how much how they're such professionals you know and obviously they've been doing this for a long time already but um so it's sort of funny because everyone's on the same playing field i think you know even Mm -hmm. though they're they're very young yeah, at humans. the time, Sloan wasn't even 18 yet. Right. They were both kids. Yeah. But um, everyone's great. It's such a like an amazing cast. And everyone, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's a really nice uh, balance of people knowing what they're doing, and but, but also fun and, and play, which I think is how I like to work, too, you know? Yeah. So you wield the staff. Mm-hmm. It backfires. Right. Sir Aldred meets his semi-fate. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Al, you had to shoot a patch of dirt. <laughs> there was no Sir Aldred. There was no puddle. There's just a patch of dirt. How on earth, as a director, do you go, yes, this is the patch of dirt. Yes, it's framed perfectly. It's going to work. How do you, how do you see that? <clears throat> well, we, uh, we discussed it very, very carefully with our visual effect people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it starts before that when Kanoa is creating that whirlwind basically with a staff. So it's, it's all, it's visualizing. And then, and then you have to figure out a way, first of all, we have to discuss what's the color of that puddle, uh, which we then realize, wait, it's too close to the color of the dirt. So then we want it to stand out. Oh. So it's all, it's, it's, you have to discuss because if, if they go, no, it's gotta be brown. Well, we have to find a different spot to have it happen because right here, the ground is brown. So we have to, so it's all about once you know what it looks like and then you discuss with him what you feel it should look like. Is it bubbly? Is it, you know, is it oozing? Is it Smoky all that stuff? Or, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff and the color of it and everything. And also, but we also had to, um, you kind of married to where he's at. In other words, if he just goes into, it's got to be there. Um, mm-hmm. So we had to 
choreograph it in such a way that he lands in a place where he said, that's where the puddle is going to be. And then it's fun because you shoot a piece of dirt and you call action and you go, it looks good. You know? <laughs> Man, the, what the, a the, jigsaw puzzle that scene was. It's, it's a huge And that's, that's you know, I, I always, when I work on a show, I said, you know, if, if it's within your power to the showrunners, give me the most complicated one because hmm. it's, it's so much fun. Let's listen to another clip. Osric's army defeated the Tovenars and then buried their bones in secret regions throughout the world, each bone separate from every other, to ensure that no Tovenar could ever rise again. Their evil went with them into the ground. Every place the Tovenar's bones were buried became a dark realm. Wait! Didn't you say that Woodside was built on a dark realm? We did. Oh, so underneath Woodside's just a bunch of undead super bad guy bones. The bones of a Tovenar. After everybody escapes, after Sir Aldred is not dead dead, mm. but just dead, we leave the woods and go into a cul-de-sac, and it's in the exact moment where Dwight is saying Woodside is built on a dark realm, so underneath Woodside is a bunch of super bad guy bones, which is a great succinct way to describe what we're dealing with for the season. Yeah. But in that moment, you go from the woods to this cul-de-sac showing how close together these two things are. Did you have to like search for a while to find that location? Was that a very important thing? Was it scripted? How much was you? Tell me about that. Well, first of all, I'm really pleased that you... Uh, notice that because, uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of transitions. Um, and and uh, originally when I read it, um, I went to the woods and I, I tried to figure out how do we merge it. So then I, I went to the woods and I found a patch where they could be coming out of the woods and there was gravel on the ground. And I figured what we can do is as they walk towards us, we tilt to their feet on the ground. And then because... Right where we were shooting in town, there was a house that's been built, and they had gravel on the ground. And I thought, well, then oh. I'll have them come right from here, and then here we are in town. And I go, so that was the plan. Mm-hmm. But then I realized there's a lot of information, important information that they're saying, and I don't want to be on their feet. Right. So when we shot at the house, I decided I came to work an hour early, and I start looking around, and then I found this house. And I figure out if I get, I, I call the first AD and I said, let's get 20 plants, big plants. Because I, if I can cover the side of the uh, patio there, it looks like we are in the woods. And then I can do a 180 and have Sloan do a 180 himself. He looks around he and does. we reveal. And so I saved myself a lot of time because I didn't have to shoot it in the woods. Mm-hmm. I did it all in one. And it was like a perfect uh, transition. And when the AD came in and I said, scratch that from the woods, we're doing both right here. And it was like, he was ecstatic. Because yeah, because we all I, get I, to go I, home early that day. Exactly. But and it also worked better. So it's, 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 it's never, you know, you think, oh, I have a plan. It works. And then you think about it and you go, hmm, how do we do it better? And so that, I'm glad you noticed it because that was very careful and I thought it worked great. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a big moment. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you did that all just on the day, on the fly. On because the day. Because the, the dialogue is really wrapping up. You know, Woodside is on this dark realm. You're coming out of the forest, which is where the 
magic happens and you're going back into town. It all comes together and you found a way to, to weave it yeah, all. Yeah, it was, it was tricky. There was a, it took a while, but it was kind of, I stumbled upon it, luckily, within the right time. So That's great. And, of course, you get Dwight bumping into the tree on the way out. So of you course. really get that last look of the forest, yeah. the last little Dwightish moment, and then, and then we're back into civilization. It, it works perfectly. And then we get to my favorite part of every episode of the show, which is um, the heart. And it always sounds corny, but I really, I think all these scenes just work so well. Um, Greta asks Dwight to be her champion again, which is technically the first time he was asked. When Dwight first became Greta's champion, neither of them chose it. And now they're both choosing it and Dwight and Greta rebond as princess and champion. So when you're directing scenes like this, as opposed to massive action and visual and special effects and six people you're shooting. When you get down to just these two person scenes in heart, how does that change for you? What skills do you employ differently? Well, first, um, it took me, it took me a couple of years as a director to realize that a very, that I'm amazed I didn't realize on the first day, but as a director, you come in and you have a plan and you go, this is the plan. But if you enforce the plan from the beginning on actors, you miss what they're bringing in. So I normally don't give any notes to actors like on the, before the first take. Let's see. And many times I get stuff, I said, wow, I didn't think about that one, but that, as opposed to if I said, no, 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 play it that way. So uh, these guys are so talented and everybody's really very collaborative. So, you know, we talk about the scene and, uh, Everybody has ideas, and then I tell him, "I don't care what you have, what you say. Do what I want." No, <laughs> no. So then, but then, but then, all the good stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. And then, in, in uh, the other thing is that usually in scenes like this, I find myself more reacting as a, as opposed to acting. As let's see, you know, because I have an idea how I think it should sound, but maybe maybe they have a better idea. So I'm always open to it. So I, I hear this and I go, well, I think mine was, let's try that. Mm-hmm. And then we play with, with uh, those things. But uh, they, they were right, especially in that scene. They were, uh, you know, they did get, I think, a little bit maybe too emotional. But, it was, <laughs> but the, the wonderful thing with all of them is that you give them a note and it happens the next day, which is kind of rare. That's incredible. Kind of rare. I work I, with a lot of actors where it's like... <laughs> Same no, thing. not yeah. that. <laughs> Same note again. No, not that. And these guys were like, and, and it could be 180 mm-hmm. from what they were doing. No problem. And they'll do it. No problem. Every time. I do remember, I believe Sloan and Caitlin were telling me about Champion Do Over Part 1 when they were saying goodbye. And they did go into it very tearfully, very emotionally. And they were really grateful that you pulled them back because it works so much better and more simply with the pulled back. Right. And I remember they were like, thank God, you know, <laughs> uh, told us to do that because it really helped. It's, uh, you know, because sometimes, uh, like anybody else, I mean, uh, it could be the other way around where they played something, I, go, I didn't think that that would work, and, uh, and I hear it, and I go, that is better. Mm-hmm. And and it's all about making the show better. So um, uh, sometimes you, from the side, you listen and you go, hmm, I wonder. Let's and and sometimes I'm not sure. I said, let's let's see it because they have to actually pull right. the trigger and do it right. So you know, so it's 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 fun. That's the fun part of it. Is like you listen and then you go, oh, I think in that point, 
let's adjust it a little bit. So they, they do say it's a collaborative medium. It sure is. It sure <laughs> is. And it's, it's you know, it, again, I can't, I can't say it enough because this show, I've, I've done um, probably 25 different shows. And I must say that it's rare that you have this kind of, of a talent and also, the, you know, the willing to uh, do whatever and do it and, and execute it. That's tricky. All right. Well, that wraps it up for season two, episode one of Dwight and Shining Armor, the Sunken Kingdom, the behind the scenes podcast about everything Dwight. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Canola. Thank you. You guys are awesome. If you have any questions that are as yet unanswered about Champion Do-Over Part 2, please tweet your questions or send video questions to at Dwight and Armor, and we'll tackle them sometime, somehow, some way. You can follow me on Instagram at TheJoshBreslow. Tune in next week for Season 2, Episode 2, Unlucky in Love. I'm Josh Breslow. Thanks for listening. Go on an adventure today. It might change your life. <laughs>